You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 454, a right royal quiz. Who wants to be a rock star's wife or husband? And re-evaluating MacArthur Park. That's all coming up after Mock Turtles and Can You Dig It?
pretty much one-hit wonders, but what a song to have as that legacy. It re-emerged in the early 2000s when it was used in a Vodafone commercial. Originally, though, number 18 in the UK from 1991, the Mock Turtles. And can you dig it? Yes, I bought it when it was reissued and was uh, off the back of a Vodafone commercial. Vodafone went through a stage of having amazing music on their adverts and and also helping bands that should have previously had massive hits then having massive hits. They did the same thing with um, Bohemian Like You by the Dandy Warhols. That didn't really get it. Didn't, it missed the top 40 when it was first released over here. And then it got to something like number five as a result of having been on the Vodafone commercial. So, yes, they were doing a sort of a, a weird little public service for bands at the at the time but i i do remember just before i went away to university buying two things I, I, I presumably i thought i was going to university in 1991 because i bought a paisley shirt and can you dig it by the mock turtles i'm all i'm always 22 i'm always you know sort of 12 22 years behind any given moment i think the what's the other interesting fact about the mock turtles it is that the singer is is, Mar- Clint, is it clint boone Martin Coogan, the older brother of Steve oh, Coogan. Yes, of course. So that is interesting. Thanks very much for coming along and joining us for the Parish Council podcast. It's episode 454. I'm Terence Dackham. And let's just check. Is she staying alert? It's Juliet Harris. Wait, wait, what? what? Who said that? <laughs> She's not staying alert. <laughs> oh, I'm going to report you, report you to Matt say- Hancock. I was going to say, presumably I'll have to pay a 75 pence fine or whatever it is. Yes, I am. Can I use this? It's unlikely that that this will have any kind of platform at all. But can I say that if you're thinking of coming and visiting the beautiful seaside town of Hastings, can you not, please? Um, We don't want you to come. (laughs) <laughs> well, can I say the tourist board should have me have me running their operations, but um, the south yeah, coast is shut. Absolutely, and and look, the worst thing we you know we're, we're worried here in Hastings at the moment, frankly, because we've been widely reported in national press as having the lowest infection rate in the country, which we do for lots of reasons but the woman that works in the shop thinks it's the sea air um also the poor quality transport links but unfortunately it's sad to report yesterday that the seafront was absolutely packed all the car parks that have been empty since march were full people queuing for chips um lots of people coming from bromley which is um in kent uh, sort of out of london probably an hour to an hour and a half drive so easy to do and has the highest infection rate in the country. Oh, so uh, so uh, whilst I, I don't want to be in this dystopian future where people are punished for coming from Bromley, um, equally, they might feel that living in Bromley is punishment enough. Who knows? But anyway, uh, equally, if they, you know, I, it's, it's, oh, you just, you just think it's such a worrying time. It doesn't, you know, I, I don't know how, how we're going to get out of this, really. I'm not saying that our fish and chips aren't lovely. They are. But mm. if, if, if you're thinking of coming to Hastings, if you're willing to wait a few months, I'll happily give you a guided tour if that is an incentive. Now, Jules, I imagine you're a staunch supporter of the British royal family. Um, <laughs> happy for your taxes to support these fine, upstanding people. I'm not. I'm. I mean, the thing is, is that you're. You, I think you think I'm wildly anti. I'm not wildly anti. I'm not. I'm not enormously pro. But I. I'm willing to accept the fact that the Queen, as a public servant, has done an incredibly good job. I think, like lots of people, I might feel differently about the, the royal family when we reach such a time as the Queen isn't isn't Queen anymore, whatever reason. 
Well, to celebrate uh, your views there, then our quiz this week is themed with British royalty. And I'm going to play five clips of hit singles, all of them before you were born. Excellent. I love how you do this. Cheers. And the five artists featured share a name. The artists share a name with a prominent member of the royal family. No obscure great aunts or anything like that. You know, no great aunt Alice or anything. I'm They're all. For, I'm, I'm looking forward to the electro album made by Princess Michael of Kent. <laughs> Um, they're all within touching distance of the throne, all of these people. But to really test you, these five tracks will all be through in 15 seconds total. That's three oh, seconds what? a clip. Oh, you're mental. For goodness sake. But I'm sake. still backing you, Jules, because I just know you're going to get this. You're going to need to write quickly. Yes, OK. I've got a pencil. Five members of the royal family, five bonus points by identifying the artists and another five bonus points for spotting the song. So 15 points on offer, okay. a tricky 12 to win and the prize is an, a night out with Prince Andrew in a pizza parlour of your choice. <laughs> it has been woking. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be ideal for him because apparently he knows it quite well. Yes, um, indeed. Right. So um, five clips. 15 seconds. But every time it rains, I can't stand the rain. Take me back in time, maybe I can forget. Now, my goodness me, those came rushing at you. In well, there's, there's one that we had to completely give up on, but we'll we'll, we'll okay. ignore that and just do the rest. So the first is is uh, cloud busting by Kate Bush, referencing Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge, former Catherine yes. Middleton, indeed. So let me just mark you down there. That's two points. See, you only need twelve to win that night uh-huh. out with Prince Andrew. So even That's if you can't get thing. one, you, um, you might uh, just get there. I don't get the impression. I mean, I I, I you know, without without being libelous. How hard there was a phase where I don't feel it was particularly hard to get a night out with Prince Andrew. <laughs> might not be in that phase anymore. Um, the second one is uh, "I Can't Stand the Rain" by Anne Peebles, pr- referencing Princess Anne. So said Anne, Princess Royal, KG, KT, KCVO, KCS, St J, QSO, and CD. Um, well, I was going to say, okay, that sounds right. good. Yeah, let's give her a full title. Where is she in line to the throne, Jules? Don't look it up. Have a guess. What uh, number is she in line to the throne, Princess Anne? Okay, so I would oh, say, um, so there's, so the sons probably all come before before her, I would think. So there's Charles, and then. Oh, don't go through them all. I'm going to ask you this with everybody. Just give me a number, girl. Okay, that's very rude. Um, and six. <laughs> <laughs> 14 14 oh, say. as she's you the, say she's the only one that seems to be reasonably capable and i base that from uh that lovely video at the at the state banquet where uh she was told off by her mum for not speaking to prince oh, to yeah. donald trump and appeared to sort of shrug in a fairly i don't care sort of way so i have some time for Anne on that basis boom 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 number um, three i um i don't know you do. Think of a gorilla playing those drums. Oh, it's in the air tonight by Phil Collins. Yes, I'm going to give you that. Referencing the Duke of Edinburgh from the House of Glucksburg. That is incredibly generous of you. Thank you. But yeah, I hate that song, so that's probably why I didn't. I didn't ultimate more Now the fourth one, it's George Michael. 
yes. and it's referencing Prince George. It is. Yes. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure on the song, but I'm going to guess at a different corner. Correcto. Ah, excellent. I thought it sounded a bit like that. Uh, by the way, trivia fans, a different corner is the first song I ever worked out how to play. My instrument was our sofa in our house in Hastings when I was about three or four because I worked out that if I shifted my weight on the sofa whilst tapping the springs at the same time, I could get it to go dum dum dum, and that oh, was the first instrument I ever played. I know this is not a normal person story, but regular listeners will know this is not necessarily a normal person podcast. So, so uh, Prince George that. of Cambridge, where is he in line to the throne without your forty-minute analysis that we got for Princess Anne? We could all steal that. Your rudeness, could I just point out? Um, I am going to say, um, I'll say six again. Why not? Someone's got to be third in line. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Because uh, Prince Charles, Prince William, and then Prince George. Yeah. And finally, Juliet. Uh, this is Sugar Sugar by the Arches, Correct. which is celebrating uh, Meghan and Harry's son, yes. Archie. I'm not sure to what extent he's in line for the throne now, because oh, they I'm sort of are, well, they are, aren't royals, aren't they? They're he's still of, he's still in he's still in line for the throne. In which case, then he's probably fourth, isn't he? Seventh. Oh, what? Okay, fair enough. Prince Archie, Harrison Mountbatten, Windsor. Uh, seventh line. He's got dual citizenship, you know. Uh, but he Harrison could... Mountbatten, Windsor. Huh? Who is Harrison Mountbatten Windsor? They sound That's like... his full name, Archie Harrison oh, Mountbatten Windsor. I was going to say, otherwise, Harrison Mountbatten Windsor sounds like some <laughs> made up fictional uh, sort of supervillain that's a helicopter pilot by day and uh, and some sort of uh, evil corporate, corporate kind of monster <laughs> by night. That's, yeah, I was gonna, that's very odd. Anyway, well, well, I'm going to give you them. Prince Philip, so you've, you've, you've got the full house. That is very kind. Thank you. I'm happy to ignore that and just say I've got 12 because that still qualifies me. Yeah, yeah. You see, I'll, I'll let Prince Andrew know. For a memorable night in Woking Pizza Express. Now, I've got a, a kind of bonus here. It depends whether you saw this or not. On the topic of quizzes, this yeah. week in the UK, the ITV network has been running Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in another comeback. Did you watch it at all? I didn't, I'm afraid. Excellent. Stop neither me. did I. Neither did I. But right. it's important that you didn't see it. A bloke called Andrew Townsley had banked £500,000, half a million, Mm. and he was faced with the £1 million question. Oh, no. And what I want to know is, would you have gone for it? Right. So you're sitting in the chair now. You've got half a million pounds. Here comes the million pound question. I want to know, would you have gone for it and would you have got it right? So I'm going to ask you the million pound question that Andrew Townsley faced this week. Can you see the question and then reject it? Yes, oh yes, yes. You can stay with your five hundred thousand pounds. If I lost, how much money would I have left? I think you go right down, don't you, to something like thirty two thousand or a hundred and twenty five or something. You lose an awful lot. Have a look and see. Okay. One million pound question. Yeah. Julia, I'm gonna have to take your final answer, you know that. (laughs) Quiet in the studio, please. In the history of motorsport, which of these iconic races was held? first okay mm-hmm. a so you're looking at the screen now and you've got four yeah. options a le mans 24 hours b indy 500 c monaco grand prix d 
Isle of Man TT. On the screen, it said Island of Man TT. Oh, for God's sake. Um, on 24 hours, Indy 500, Monaco Grand Prix, Isle of Man TT. I would so are you going to go I, I'm, for it? I, I'm walking away with the money. Right, okay. I have no idea on that. That's safe now, Juliet. You, that's still a big win. It's a, still a life-changing amount. It Nobody is. can blame you. The, a big round of applause for you. Yeah, blame me. But had you... Now, this is just for fun, Juliet. Had I, you gone for one of those, which one would it have been? Probably Le Mans 24 hours, I should think. Juliet, you made the right choice. Yes. Walk you. away, because the correct answer was the Isle of Man TT. Uh, I thought it might. I, I thought it would either be Le Mans or Isle of Man, and I just thought, mm, uh, let, let's let's not bother. Who, goodness. Who knew? Who knew the Isle of Man had been going on for so long? Yeah, I had no. I didn't see it, but um, it's just that I would have guessed the Isle of Man TT, but oh. I would. I too would have walked away. Mm. I I wouldn't have been. Okay knowledgeable enough or sure enough to to gamble so i'd have walked away and then felt a little kick in the shins as i thought oh that's what i would have the thing is is that it's not it's something like a history thing or a geography thing or something like there is some extent of of logic that you can work it out whereas for something like that you either know it or you don't well juliet you're going home with half a million pounds so Um, i'll see my bank details (laughs) this is real right uh no. Um, what? Firstly, you're rude to me. And secondly, you refuse to give me five hundred thousand pounds. Worst podcast ever. It's it's really taking a turn for the worse, isn't it? <laughs> Coming right up, not who wants to be a millionaire, but who wants to be a rock star's wife or husband. That's right after wire.
I love how deliberate that song is. Why we're extremely good at kind of quick thrashes, as on their Pink, their Pink Flag album, but that's from Chairs Missing, and it's a, a little bit more reflective, and I like how it kind of gradually sort of unfolds. I was in a quiz last night where the there was a, a, a guess the songs round, which was a oh, yeah. one point for the song, one point for the artist out of ten, and all of the songs we were told would have a, word, a, a common word in them, and once you worked out what the word was, then that made it easier to guess other things. And so by the time we got to number nine, I knew it was Practice Makes Perfect by Wire, and it would have practice in it. And then when I heard that kind of dum 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 intro, I realised it was. It's also, I'm afraid to report, very much operate by Elastica, but I don't think that they sued them because it was on the six-track EP and a bit of an obscurity by that point. But um, but I love Wire. I mean, I I have happy memories of going to see them in the past, and. I just I, I think that they they managed to straddle in in true post punk style they managed to straddle the divide between um, being being quite sort of being still quite punky and quite noisy but also being a lot more thoughtful than necessarily their who would have been their punk contemporaries so so no I'm a, I'm an enormous Wire fan and always will be I suspect you know in terms of albums it's quite strange because Wire have had a resurgence of interest in recent years mm. first few albums sold quite well then almost 30 years of not doing too well not on the radar at all but the four albums since 2015 each have done well and edged into the lower reaches of the album charts and I think that's down probably to you going out and buying them <laughs> absolutely my dear mm. my dear departed friend Neil taking me to see mm. them sometimes but no that uh, one thing I think is quite a big factor and it's interesting we don't have the music press anymore but Six Music has a heck of a reach, the BBC channel. I mean, a recent report saying that it's getting, you know, two and a half million listeners, which is, mm. you know, fantastic. And they have been quite strong supporters of Wire. And I mean, I actually heard the first time I came across their new albums was that they would be played in prime time, that they would be played in the in the morning and the evening when I'm on when I'm on my way to and from work. Mm. And so actually, as much as I'd love to take credit for the resurgence of Wire in the last years, apart from the fact they've made some genuinely excellent quality records, I um I am a I, I'm a huge um I'm a huge fan of them for that reason. But also they have been played a lot on Six Music because they should be really so so i think that six musical promoted them quite a lot and maybe that's helped okay now back in 1976 as a very young chap i stumbled into a, a i suppose sounds a bit sort of glamorous but actually wasn't in reality a job that entailed me uh, accompanying pop stars from Heathrow and flying with them for the day to the royal duchy of luxembourg yeah. so they could be interviewed by Tony Prince or Spangles Muldoon, your midday loon. Uh, it was one of the DJs on Radio Luxembourg. I, there, there are times when I feel that the past really is another country. It, it really is. Um, Radio Luxembourg, it just about beamed its signal back to the, the, the UK, a uh, very sort of wobbly signal. There was one flight in and just one flight out each day on Lux Air. And one memorable trip was me taking Susie Quattro and her husband out for one of these interviews at Radio Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Now, Susie Quattro was only five years older than me, but for some reason she decided to sort of mother me a bit on this trip, somewhat in a really kind way, making that's sure I was okay and fussing a bit. Really, really very, nice. That's very sweet, yes. Mm. Now, this absolutely infuriated her husband. <laughs> oh, who, no. I rather cheekily called fried chicken because his name of all names was Len Tucky. <laughs> <laughs> Jess's real name. I can't believe 
Harry, this actually happened. That is really it. happened. So uh, we spent a whole day in Luxembourg. Uh, the re- return flight didn't leave until the evening. So the whole day spent with Len and Susie not speaking. Oh, and no. This was an early insight for me into the world, the, the plight, if you like, of the rock star wife or husband, mm-hmm. in this case, husband, where one person has all the kudos, stardom and income. And the other person is a plus one, which in so many such uh, partnerships must make for a really fractious relationship. I checked yesterday. Susie and Len got divorced in 1992. So I don't think I was to blame. I don't think it was your fault. No, no. maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it was just, maybe it was just one of many. How can I put this? Yes. Now, Jenny Boyd had a memoir published a few weeks ago. She married Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac twice, including during the time when he was having an affair with Stevie Nicks. And this, Jules, um, highlights that problem when you're the plus one. It can be lonely and often ends in heartbreak. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I like the, the big, the, this piece in The Guardian, which is interviewed about it. it the, the opening paragraph is fantastic. Jenny Boyd has two words for anyone who ever fantasised about marrying a rich and famous rock star. Watch out, she said with a laugh. It's not what you think. Um, so she, she seems to be the sort of the ultimate rock star wife, really, in that she married Mick Fleetwood twice, like you say. She also um, inspired Jennifer Juniper by Donovan, which I did not know that that was that was her too of course as soon as i saw the word boyd that made me think well, i wonder if she's related to patty boyd um her sister patty yeah. boyd who married george horace uh, george horison george harrison even um <laughs> went on to marry eric clapton uh patty's also published her own book about being a rock star muse called wonderful tonight um about this reader song that clapton wrote about her he also wrote layla about her as well um i like i like what, what jenny boyd says here if you're going to be with someone who clearly uh, who's clearly an artist who's deeply dedicated to what they do then you need something that you're passionate about she says otherwise you're just an extension of someone else's dream i like that phrase sadly i never felt i was creative i felt so locked inside and i think that this happens particularly i don't know it's weird isn't it it cuts both ways part of me thinks it kind of happens to women because women are always particularly in that era as well were seen as sort of dolly birds i guess if you were good looking then you were kind of you know you were just sort of hanging on someone's arm but equally the, the story that you tell about Susie Quattro is really interesting mm. because of particularly in those days as well because of as, um, how masculinity was sort of expressed and viewed in a certain mm. way it must have been incredibly demasculating to be to be a rock star husband at that point because you're rarer of course so when you go to those kind of do's and you've got people to talk to um, when you talk to the other kind of append- appendages and spouses and whatnot there aren't likely to be so many men I shouldn't think so I imagine that would be quite hard so so weirdly I, I, I sympathize even more with rock star husbands at that time because it would have been seen as you know you might have been seen as a bit of a joke if you were living off your rock star wife I don't know mm. rightly or wrongly you might have been seen like I don't know but I, I like what she has to say about the, about the idea that you know that you're sort of you're not living your dream, you're living someone else's dream. So so and that's that's the thing, isn't it? Really, what you know, you ought to have your own life, or or, or perhaps even be a rock star yourself. I don't know. Or, or I think the most successful rock rock star rock star wife thing I can think of is everything but the girl who were in the band together as well. Oh as being yes, married. good example. Just, yeah. 
Absolutely, and they they seem to make it. Well, they you know, they seem to make it work. Although Tracy uh, Tracy Thorne in her her original book, I think uh, the Bedsit Disco Queen one, um, wrote she. I love her writing, and she wrote very honestly about the fact that, about the pressures of being in a band together, and how when they were on tour in Japan, they'd had some massive row, and they weren't and they weren't speaking, and they were sleeping in different bits and that sort of thing. And then there was a massive earthquake um, and they both, you know, they both ran to find each other and nearly died. And she said when they were sort of in this doorway, they did have a word with themselves and make it all better mm-hmm. again. But but I love I love the idea that um, that, that, you know, that, that she's kind of giving advice to people saying, you know, saying you, you mustn't, you know, you, you, you must. And I think this is good advice for anyone who's in any sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, we all think that everything's going to last forever. And, you know, there's there's times when relationships don't last. And it's easier to, to bear a relationship breakup if you already have your own life. If your life is not tied up in the, with the fate and fortunes of someone else. I know it's, and that's harder if, you know, you've got my yeah. So true. Yeah. But you know, if you've got your own hinterland, if you've got your own interests, if you've got your own places that you can go. I mean, I know it's harder once you've moved in with someone. To some extent, you know, your fortunes are similar, aren't they? Because if you live together, you're far more likely to be doing more things together than say if you're living separately. But I think there is there is something to be said always for having your own life outside of a relationship. Because what happens if someone comes, or if you think everything's going well and then someone comes home one day and says I want a divorce you know that that must be particularly if you're in a position where your partner is a rock star if you are living off that from a you know from a financial point of view all of a sudden you can't live off that so so I think whilst there are particular kind of specifics to you know to the, the rock star world and lifestyle you know I think it's it, it, you know she's got advice for us all really and that we must all kind of imagine you know, I think it's sensible to imagine, and I think we've all found this at the moment, what happens if life completely changes in a way that I haven't predicted? And, you know, we are all living this time at the moment, aren't we, really? Mm. So, you know, maybe maybe the lesson from being married to a rock star is always have your own life and or a contingency plan. Yeah, I've read a couple of autobiographies or, or memoirs by women who were married to musicians mm-hmm. whose recollections left me very uneasy about my former admiration of those musicians. John Martin could do little wrong for me musically, mm-hmm. but when I read Beverly Martin's autobiography, it's called Sweet Honesty, and read about his extreme violence uh, towards her, which she recounted in detail in the book, well, I, I found it hard to listen to John Martin's music the same way. Um, and similarly, reading Cynthia Lennon's memoir about her time with John uh, also <laughs> left me queasy because of the accounts of his violence and terrible behaviour to her and Julian. Um, Absolutely. I mean, he does not come out well out of uh, that, really. Uh, it seems quite rare um, for such marriages, as you were saying, or relationships between rock stars and their partners to survive, you, you know, you said about Tracy Thorne, Ben Watt. I mean, it does happen, but I was trying to think of you. I could only think of Paul and Linda McCartney, uh, Bono and Ali Hewson and John Lydon and Nora. I, I couldn't think of too many more. 
No, absolutely. It's 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 funny. Oh, maybe um, Toya Wilcott and Robert Fripp. They seem to have yes. been quite most a unlikely alliance, but wonderful that and they seen their so lovely well. lockdown videos. Yes, on. I have it's seen. It's very amusing. And uh, although, as someone said, it's easier to do heroes when you happen to be married married to the original guitarist. But um, no, it's 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 strange. And I, th- I find everything but the girl particularly interesting because. It's difficult. Linda McCartney used to get a lot of stick when she was in Wings. And I can remember Paul McCartney, I think he was on Parkinson once, saying the amount of abuse that's thrown at her that is inaccurate. He said, you know, people used to go, oh, she's ridiculous. You know, she plays the keyboard with one finger, to which he reasonably pointed out it's a Moog synth and you can only play it with one finger because it will only make one sound at once. So, so she, but she was always kind of being obviously written off. It's interesting because she did write songs with him. Yeah, it's difficult to, because I suppose suppose because it was a group as well it did it did seem to be the McCartney did seem to be the main creative force whereas everything but the girl it, it, it always did it seems to be the two of them if either of them were in, weren't in that band it wouldn't work if you see what I mean so so yeah maybe you know it, the, when I say if you can't beat them join them then equally may, maybe that's that's the key to true happiness in a rock marriage if you also have something musical to bring to the party because Tracy Thorne and Ben Watt both released solo albums before everything but the girl and the um, reason that yes, they, yeah. the reason that they that they met each other is because I think it was Rough Trade said to both of them that they both were going to be studying at the same university and they both had records out on the label and you know, maybe they should meet up. And Ben Watt took this rather literally and uh, hijacked the university tannoy system and asked for Tracy Thorne to come to the office. And from that, that acorn. Yeah, absolutely. Loads of great records. But yes, my my sympathies. It is hard, I think, if you're in a relationship with someone who is exceptional in whatever they do. It can be hard if if there is someone that is a a genuine star in in whatever field. It can be hard to be the other one, which is why I think her advice that, you know, to develop your own life is sound. Yes, and I think on that basis, I've been thinking about this. If Joni Mitchell rings me up and proposes, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd think really hard about it, but I think I'd have to say no. Well, I mean, you have got this I'd podcast. I'd have to let her down. Yeah, you've got this podcast. I count that as a hinterland. <laughs> Coming next, looking at the song that's been given the soubriquet of Worst Song of the 60s. Hmm. I'll be disagreeing strongly. I think Juliet might be too. It's right after this lovely track from Roger Daltrey. I paid all my dues, so I picked up my shoes I got up and walked away Oh, I was just a boy I didn't know how to play Worked hard and failed, now all I can say is I threw it all away Oh, I was just a boy
His uh, solo work often gets overlooked, but over nearly 50 years of solo recordings, there's a consistent thread of strong songs beautifully sung. This was a track from his first solo album. As a single, it reached number five in the UK, 83 in the States. From 1973, Roger Daughtry and Giving It All Away. I like that, actually. I wasn't familiar with it, but um, he's sort of semi-local to me, Roger Daltrey. His uh, his fish farm is out at Hawkehurst. So, um, so, so, yes, and and I once spent a winter in Roger Daltrey's daughter's old coat for reasons which I can't entirely remember now. I think they got rid of some clothes and they gave it to a friend of my mum's who then said, oh, does Juliet want this coat? And it turned out to have been his daughter's or something. So, uh, so that is my very tenuous Roger Daltrey link. Last week we looked at the song voted worst single of the the 1990s. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Uh, and, uh, oh uh, yeah, uh, see, it's impossible not to do it. Oh, and also, <laughs> I love the fact that we are now an Aqua Tribute band. This is yet another stream that we ought to monetize, Terence. I think that could be our future. That could be really where <laughs> we have co- to coin it in. It, but apart from that, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> a lot to ask for fame. Well, we decided it wasn't that bad after all. And when I saw the single voted the worst of the 1960s, I nearly fell off my um, deluxe uh, cushioned chair. Um, your, your luxury perch. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. In a decade that brought yummy, 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 I've got love in my tummy <laughs> and Herman's Hermits, I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am. Um, it seems to be incredible that this song should be noted as the worst of the 60s. Let's hear a 30-second clip. My God, this park is melting in the dark All the sweet green icing flowing down Someone left the cake out in the rain I don't think that I can take it Cos it took so long to bake it And I'll never have the recipe again Oh, no 
rules. It's symphonic. It's gorgeous. It's written and produced by Jimmy Webb. It has the wrecking crew on it, including Hal Blaine on drums. OK, Richard Harris is no great singer, but that adds to it. Jules, this is a calumny. It's defamation to call this the worst single of the 1960s. I completely agree. I mean, as you said, rightly said, I do like Sugar Sugar and Yummy Yummy Yummy, but they are all... They are throwaway pop, aren't they? There is no, there's no, uh, and actually I'm going to make a rather clever link here, if you see what I mean. Um, they're about sweet things, those songs, aren't they? Uh, in MacArthur Park, someone leaves the cake out in the rain, but it's not disposable sugar pop like the uh, like the other tunes are. Do you like what I did there? Um, it's... Um, it, I mean, it, it, this uh, this Guardian article written by Joe Queenan on it, it's a few years old now, but it's really worth reading because it, it gets it absolutely spot on. And he says, um, even by the standard of the late 60s, when goofy songs were dime a dozen, and that's a good description, I think. Uh, hey Baby by Bruce Chanel. If I never heard that song again, I'd be pleased, frankly. And MacArthur Park is one of the strangest top 40 hits ever. So it's more than seven minutes long long sung by a man who couldn't really sing written by a prolific tunesmith famous for churning out harmless ditties like the witch at alignment by the time i get to well, that's and understating up, up and it. i'm so sorry to interrupt but that's <laughs> understating it by a mile yeah. what, what was it ch- ch- what was it ditties charming ditties churning out harmless churning out harmless ditties i know i know it, witch I mean, at alignment galveston by the time i get to phoenix and up up and away exactly no i i, I disagree yes i agree with you and disagree with this chat there but still if we're going to overrate the buddy jimmy webb's written such classics uh, macarthur park is amongst the most baffling hits in the history of pop music it has no anti how do you pronounce is it antecedent 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 yeah antecedent thank you i've learned something and it has no sequel um it's really strange they said that it's difficult to work out whether webb is trying to be taken you know webb is trying to do something very serious here or um, or whether, as he points out, difficult assignment after writing songs with names like "Everyone Gets to Go to the Moon," which I've never heard, but I want to hear now because that <laughs> sounds great. And I'm I'm at one with the concept as well. But um, it's difficult to tell whether or not the song is meant to be serious or meant to be a big joke. Um, it just seems really strange. It got to number two in the charts, and the lyric runs. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can make it because it took so long to bake it and I'll never find that recipe again. I mean, I love it. It's so profound. I think it's great. And also, uh, being a huge Simpsons fan, there is um there's a brilliant episode where they have a kind of a beauty pageant for and Lisa enters this kind of little Miss Springfield beauty cat pageant and uh, Apu the the uh, the Indian shop owner his brother's niece his his niece his brother's daughter enters it and for her talent plays what appears to be a very long rendition of MacArthur Park on the tabla and you hear her you hear her rather out of tune screaming the lyrics and I'll never find that recipe again whilst the auditorium is asleep so I've always that so it's quite an easy song to kind of mock in terms of its length I, I just love how strange it is the bloke that sings on it um, has just made, at this moment in time, he records it in 1968, he's already appeared in This Sporting Life, which is possibly the greatest film ever made about rugby, um, and uh, and Major Dundee. Uh, during Who's Filming, the normally mild-mannered Charlton Heston reputedly chased the director off the set with a sabre. So there's quite a lot, <laughs> there's quite a lot going on in Richard Harris's... He's just appeared in Camelot, for God's yeah, sake. Absolutely, yes, which admittedly was, um, was a fairly 
enormous kind of kind of flop. Um, he also was was a member of the uh, actors turning up drunk on late night talk shows yeah, so. as well, along with Oliver Reed and Richard Burton, um, getting themselves banned from things. Um, it's such a it's such a kind of strange thing, and the, and the comparison here is William Shatner from Star Trek, who does lots of slightly bizarre tongue-in-cheek spoken word versions of songs it's worth digging out his version of common people by the way which is is has to be heard to be they're almost deliberately terrible aren't they they're they're meant to be terrible and what this says is that unlike star trek's william shatner whose contemporaneous recording of mr tambourine man was dismissed as arrant tomfoolery harris was not booted off stage when the song was released people actually sat around talking about what the song meant um it's, it's i mean this bloke is so anti this you know this song this was another reason nixon got elected said this man says this writing this article apropos of nothing i have to say but it's 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 really weird the song's in four sections basically this this bloke this article's argument seems to be well it was the 60s and an awful lot of drugs have been taken by this point and basically everybody was a bit whacked and out of it really i i love it because it's such a curio it's doing something that nothing did before and very few songs did did since i was trying to think of something that was similar to this i could only come up with um everyone's free to wear sunscreen by baz lerman in terms of it being a sort of a long spoken word philosophical piece but even then that didn't have loads of different sections the, the vocal is spoken word rather than someone having to speak because they can't really sing very well and and it's you know i i, I don't understand like you say it's surely better to experiment and slightly miss, which this does perhaps, than it is just to the endless kind of throwaway, sugary sort of sort of pop that when Sounds of the Sixties by uh, hosted by Brian Matthews used to be on, which I used to enjoy very much. He used to tend towards the rather obscure, mm. and every week traveling somewhere, we used to listen to it. We used to go, God, you know, this really does give the lie to the fact that everything that was released in the sixties was great because most of which you'd hear loads of stuff that you'd never heard before and wouldn't be that bothered if you'd never heard again frankly whereas MacArthur Park is so memorable even if it's weird which it is it's just really weird that seems to be people's biggest failing with MacArthur Park which is it's really weird and they don't really understand it and actually if you're willing to accept it what it is for what it is which is quite a peculiar record that at least has ambition I think it's great I I, I wouldn't say it was one of the best songs of the 60s but it is certainly one of the most memorable I think and that stops it from being one of the worst it so stood out at the time MacArthur Park which by the Mm. way Richard Harris insists on wrongly calling MacArthur's Park throughout (laughs) but it has that has that splendid vein of 60s orchestral pop running right through it and by the way you know talking about um success or not it it was it came from uh, the album it came from a tramp shining was nominated for a grammy in 1969 so uh, and the record buying public as you uh, said certainly loved it it reached number four in the uk number two on the billboard hot 100 insane to categorize it amongst the worst songs of all time Absolutely. i'm t- i'm turning that frown upside down and claiming it to be one of the best singles of all time you see, I, I think that, that as ever you have gone too far. But having said that, I, I'm not saying it's one of the best things of all time, but it's uh, I, I'm going to stick with it's one of the most 
idiosyncratic and memorable singles of all time it's one it's one of the it's one of the most individual singles of all time yeah. i think and i'm really surprised actually that no one's really ever had a go at copying it because it was a massive hit wasn't it it got to number two it's not it's not mm. like you know it was just oh isn't that interesting and it got to number 35 and occasionally it pops up in discussions on bbc4 on those documentaries it was it was enormous and i have it you know it's inspired work. i have seen Lich and Star. Well, I, I think there was a best of, I'm really scraping my memory now, but there was a best of Jimmy Webb, I think, released when I was a teenager. So it would have been late 90s, early 2000s. And in my local WH Smith, there was a wall display, like a sort of a, a, a stand up card and then a bin underneath it where you'd take the album from that was a Lichtenstein style pop art. Mm blonde woman dotted all over her face on the on on the thing that had her crying saying someone left the cake out in the rain it might even have been the artwork to that to that mm. cd so i love the fact that it's gone from that bloke that wrote the article kind of dismissing as oh he wrote all these amazing well not even amazing he wrote all these okay songs yeah all right mate um oh you know he wrote all these all these harmless songs and macarthur part whereas actually if i remember this correctly and hopefully this isn't a false memory in in this sort of best of jimmy Webb, but that was being given a sort of prominence in advertising it well indeed I, I you know as i say i'm perplexed by the whole thing um thanks as always for listening to us we really appreciate you being Absolutely. there thank you for giving us a platform and not no platforming us <laughs> now i was just i just want to look at some reviews i was looking for re- reviews of your radio shows um <laughs> Have you looked at any that weren't written by you? This is my first question. Protect us from this filth should never be allowed back on the on the air. No, sorry, I got confused. <laughs> that was reviews of the Sex Pistols on that Bill Grundy show. I got confused there. <laughs> I mean, there are so many, you know, there are so many similarities. Here's the reviews of Juliet's shows. Lovely show, sublime, great music to dance around the kitchen to, brilliant show. None of those written by me. And indeed, there's more where that came from, Jules. Absolutely. That's very kind of you to say. Thank you. That does sum up the ethos of the show, which is nice to listen to the show. It's nice to listen to. Have a dance around your kitchen. Just just have a couple of hours each night to enjoy life whilst listening to these nice tunes. So we're recording this on... I mean, who knows what day it is anymore, but this is nominally Saturday the 16th of May. This evening from 5 till 7, it's the Saturday Social. If you go onto a, a site called Mixler or download the app, it's M-I-X-L-R, then search for my name, Juliet Harris. I have a Mixler channel. Saturday Social from 5 till 7, which is Northern Salt, Motown, Mod, etc. And then on Sunday evenings from 7 till 9, we have something called Smooth Sailing, which is easy listening, a sort of middle-of-the-road, adult-oriented rock, yacht rock, sort of just not a good quality 70s pop just you know just sort of feel good music really so uh, so that's what i'm doing this weekend and now jules um a band with an exclamation mark in the middle of their name Absolutely. I love bands with an exclamation mark in the middle of their name. I'm in a band with an exclamation mark in the middle of our name, which is which is which was a tribute to uh, Godspeed, you black emperor who have an exclamation mark in the middle of their name. And also this band who I like very much. They're called the Go Team, which uh, hopefully shows you where the exclamation mark goes. And uh, and I saw them at Latitude in 2008 and instantly fell in love with them. Uh, They're sort of the main brainchild behind this is a bloke called uh, Ian. Well, it's the main brainchild of a bloke called Ian Paul 
Barton, who comes from Brighton, and uh, it's, it's a slightly floating cast of musicians. Um, Ninja, the excellent front woman, um, whose hair is bigger than her, frankly, enormous <laughs> afro when I saw her performing, dressed as a lifeguard, curiously. Um, she, um, yeah, she, they're a great band. I love them. This is an instrumental, but I love the kind of the, the, the sports theme vibe of this. It's got mm. a real kind of, it gets used on adverts or as backing music on things all the time. It's interesting. They've had, they have bigger hits than this, but I wonder if this might have made the most money for them simply because it's used on stuff like Channel 4 adverts and just, you know, it, it, it often comes across it. I just think it's got a great... I, I I know that I'm I'm pitching an instrumental, which is always going to go broke if it's you or other people. But having said that, I I love how fun the Go Team are. They're just they're just a quite escapist fun, and I think that's what we all need at the moment. So I really love this. This is the Go Team, and uh, from their initial from their first album, I think their initial album, Thunder Lightning Strike. Um, I love how kind of get up and go they are. It's great. Uh, this is Feel Good by Numbers. listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>